One day when my son John was four, he and I went to the park. On our walk back home, he said to me, those kids were being mean to me at the park. How were they being mean, I asked. Were they saying things that felt mean or touching or hitting you in a mean way? No, none of those things, he said. It's just that I wanted to play with them and I talked to them and they didn't notice. It felt mean to not be noticed. I stopped and I looked him in the eye and I said, it doesn't feel good to not be noticed. John, I notice you and I always will. And he grinned. That story came into my head today as I was thinking about our scripture for day, today in this sermon. Because I think being noticed by God is one of the themes here. But first, I wanted to set the stage a bit because I think the context helps us understand it better. This scripture that we just heard read is one of a series of goodbyes that Jesus gives to his disciples. Jesus is in the room with his disciples on the night he will be betrayed before his execution the next day. He has just washed the disciples' feet. He has predicted his betrayal. He has reassured the disciples and promised them the gift of the Holy Spirit. Then comes this reading. In the first part of our scripture, Jesus says, I am the true vine. My father is the gardener and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. This simple metaphor, Jesus as the vine and us as the branches, as I kept thinking about it, got more and more complicated and confusing. It's easy for us humans to think of ourselves as individuals, as people who can do things on our own merit without the need for support or help. And it's even easy for Christians to believe this, particularly in our society, where individualism and pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps is written into the narrative of our country. Jesus here is reminding us that our fruit is not actually ours. It comes only from our connection and openness to him as the vine, which nourishes and gives us life. We connect to Jesus and channel his love into the world, which comes out as fruit. We can't bear fruit alone. Jesus tells us what happens if we disconnect from him in verse 6. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Now, I have heard that verse read as a punishment. You better follow Jesus or into the fire you go. But I don't really think that's what Jesus was all about. Instead, Jesus is reminding the disciples, reminding us, that the most important thing we can do is to continually return to our connection to him. Being disconnected from Jesus takes away our ability to channel his love and to show that love to the world. We can't do it on our own. We need Jesus. And so if we disconnect, we wither and shrivel and can't bear fruit. It's not condemnation, it's just a statement of facts. In Jesus' view, there shouldn't be any self-made Christians. Our individualism must take second place to the interconnected community, connected to Jesus and growing towards God. Jesus also says, abide in me as I abide in you. And the word abide is translated differently depending on the version of the Bible you read. I think you used the NRSV just, just when you read it just now. It's abide. And in the NIV, it's translated as remain. Remain as me as I remain in you. For me, that doesn't really mean the same thing. Remain to me feels like to stay put, to rest, to be left behind. But abide, a word that we don't use very much, 
means for me to live, to set up camp, to spread out, and to be present in a place. And that's an exciting thing. Jesus lives in us. Jesus has set up camp in us. Jesus is spreading out to our whole being and infuses us with his love. We are rooted in Jesus' love, surrounded by the love of God, and there's nothing we can do to make God love us more. There's nothing we can do that's bad enough that Jesus will be separated from us. Jesus has already chosen us, already notices us, already abides in us. And because Jesus has already chosen us, he wants us to choose him too, to stay actively connected to him, to choose his ways of love. When we have the confidence that Jesus' love will never leave us, our only job is to show that love to others. It's not to meet a quota of how much fruit we bear. It's just to channel the love that we receive from the one true vine and push it out into the world. It's to live our whole life through the lens of Jesus and his teachings. I'm going to share a story of one of the best compliments I ever received. Just going to say that up front, and I'm sharing this not because I want you to think I'm awesome, but because I think it reflects how even very small things that we do with the love of Jesus can make a difference. It was my second month in medical school. I was thick in the doubts of, can I do this, both at home with trying to navigate a brand new marriage and at school absorbing a semester's worth of biochemistry in two weeks. It felt like drinking from a fire hose. But the time that I spent with my classmates was really good, and we bonded quickly. We had conversations about all kinds of things as we met in our small groups, and I found myself in honest discussions with people from all faith backgrounds. After this kind of conversation with one of my classmates, who was an atheist, my friend overheard him talking with another classmate. Wow, he said, before I met Rachel, I didn't know Christians could be open and kind. I've kept that compliment in my heart and pulled it out when I needed a reminder to reconnect to Jesus. Because I think the whole point of what Jesus is trying to tell his disciples here is exactly what I somehow managed to do on that one day more than 20 years ago. I bet you have your own stories of this kind of interaction. Pull them out when you need to remember to be open, to be kind, to be connected, to love one another. Because right after this talk about vines and branches, Jesus reminds us what is the most important thing, starting with verse 12. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. This is my command. Love each other. Jesus says that if we love each other like he has loved us, if we channel the love of Jesus flowing through our branches and push it out into the world, if we model our life after him and his words and deeds, then we are his friends. Now, sometimes I think that calling Jesus friend can feel a little trivial, like it's not quite enough. Like it might feel too informal or too childish or not respectful enough. But friendship is a choice, a deep, abiding connection. And we should not belittle the connections that we have with our chosen human friends or the friendship that Jesus extends to us. 
Jesus is the all-powerful, almighty God who created the universe out of nothing, knows the number of atoms in our bodies, and imagined how to make armadillos and turkeys and Venus flytraps. And he's human. And he was executed by the empire and was homeless, and he walked on water. And he calls us friend. The God of the universe chose to come to earth as a human and chose us. Jesus, God incarnate, calls us friend. It's revolutionary. As Diana Butler Bass says more eloquently than I could, Jesus brought the disciples to the very heart of God and then revealed that God's heart longed for friendship. And now Jesus is saying, I have called you friends, not just to special people of the past whose names were recorded in sacred memory, but to the ragged fishermen and curious women sitting around him, listening to his tales, trusting for the first time that the God of Israel had not forgotten them, souls broken under the weight of Roman oppression, suffering under imperial slavery. They were not slaves, not even servants. They were friends of Jesus, friends of God." End quote. And remember, Jesus was giving them this message knowing that one will betray him, one will deny him, many will be frightened, and only a few will show up at the very end. He knows this, and he loves them anyway. When I hear this story, I immediately think, wow, Jesus loved his disciples and chose them and wanted them to follow him, even though he knew they wouldn't be perfect followers. I believe it. But when I shift that to me, that Jesus loves me that much, that Jesus is always choosing me and loves me with that same intensity, well, it's sometimes a little more challenging for me to believe. Because if Jesus knew what I was really like, if Jesus knew that I'm always judging people, or that sometimes I like material things more than I should, or that I'm greedy and short-tempered and lazy and often frustrated, if Jesus knew these things about me, then maybe he wouldn't feel the same way anymore. Have you ever thought that? I think it's easy for us to question Jesus' dedication to us because the only version of friendship that we've seen is in human friendship. And humans aren't always loyal. I've had friends who I I thought were lifelong who suddenly ghosted me and disappeared from my life with no explanation. It's felt a little bit like a death. I needed to mourn and wonder And it left me a little bit less likely to fully commit. And I know that some of us have experienced the pain of friends turning on you or laughing behind your back or being disloyal in other ways. It's really hard. But Jesus is not that kind of friend. Jesus is like the friend you call when you're hurt and you need to cry. Jesus is like the friend with whom you laugh until tears roll down your cheeks. Jesus is the person who organizes setting up meals for a family with a new baby. Jesus is a neighbor just stopping by to check in. And forgive me if this sounds sacrilegious, Jesus is like the absolute best kind of dog who is always excited when you come home and is content just laying beside you on the couch while you watch a movie. Jesus is all of these things, and he's better. Jesus has chosen us, us, each one of us, Each one of us with all our faults and frustrations and dark corners, each one of us has been chosen by Jesus. I imagine Jesus talking to this ragtag bunch 
huddled in a room, not fully understanding the import of what is coming next. I imagine him looking at them with such love, such overwhelming love. And I imagine him saying, I chose you. I notice you. You are here with me. Now is not the time to wonder if you should be here, or if you're good enough to be here, or if I really meant to call you here. You are here. You have been chosen. I have promised you that I will always be with you. He knows that the disciples, that he knows that we, are unfaithful, unsure, confused, and he loves us anyway. We've been chosen to be Jesus' friends. He is always choosing us again and again and again, no matter how much we might feel that he really doesn't mean us. He might mean someone else. And we don't get a say in it. We're already chosen. What we can do, though, is choose Jesus back. Jesus will always be there, abiding in us, being fully present, calling us back to him, but we get to choose him too. What might it look like to choose Jesus more fully? In what way can we open ourselves to Jesus' friendship? What life do we need to feel coursing through our vines so that we can show Jesus' love more fully to others? How do we need to turn to Jesus and accept that he truly loves us exactly as we are? Because, friends, this is the message that he's speaking not to just this group 2,000 years ago. He's speaking it to us. You are here with me, people of Milwaukee Mennonite. Now isn't the time to wonder, Rachel, if you're doing a good enough job of interpreting my words and giving a sermon. It's okay, Sarah, if you've forgotten something during this service. Don't worry, Connie, if you miss a note. Milwaukee Mennonite, I meant to choose each one of you. I meant to call you here. I meant to abide with you. And I will always be with you, no matter what you decide. But I want you to decide to abide with me, too. I want you to bear my love to everyone you meet. I have noticed you. I will always notice you. You are my friends. And I promise that I will never leave you. Amen.